Our scripture reading for today comes out of the first letter of Paul to the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 to 31. Let us hear now a word of the Lord. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Consider your own call, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were noble of birth. But God shows what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God shows what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God shows what is low and despised in the world, things that are not, to reduce to nothing things that are, so that no one might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption in order that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. When our daughter Ellen was little, I used to read to her out of a beautifully illustrated children's Bible. She especially loved the pictures of Jesus, which showed him as loving and caring and kind. There was one picture of him with a child on his lap laughing, and another picture of him with his arms wrapped around a man who was sick. So in a very wonderful way, through the stories in the Bible and the pictures in the Bible, Ellen came to understand that Jesus blessed everyone that he met and that he was loving and caring and kind. But then the day came when she was old enough, sitting in church, to really understand the scripture being read that day and comprehend what happened to Jesus that this one in her children's Bible who was loving and caring and kind was arrested and mocked and spat upon 
and executed on a cross. I will never forget the look on my gentle child's face when she understood what happened to Jesus. And I'll never forget driving home with her after church that day and her telling me that it made her really upset and she just didn't want to talk about it for a while. Well, of course, as she grew to adulthood, Ellen understood that it's important to talk about the cross. But friends, there are people today, many people, who understand the cross, know what happened to Jesus, and they have the same response that Ellen did as a child. It's just so upsetting to them that they would rather not talk about it. They'd rather avoid the subject all together. Years ago, I read an article online about a college professor who invited her class to invent a religion. Think one up, she said. You can include anything you want, just make sure it means something to you. Well, of course, the results, friends, were fascinating. Across the board, the students imagined religions that were highly individualistic and focused on self-empowerment. Many of them just drew from a variety of world religions, sort of mixed that up in the bowl, sprinkled on some humanism, and called it a day. But do you know what? Not a single one of those imagined religions, not one, included a cross. Of course, there are churches across this country, big churches, that don't include crosses inside or outside of their buildings. Too churchy, they say. Too depressing, they say. Not appealing, they say. Kind of a turnoff, they say. If we want to fill the seats, then it's just better to soft pedal the cross. But the Apostle Paul said he couldn't do that. Paul said, I must preach the truth that I know even if the world doesn't understand it. I must preach the cross. I must preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now when Paul arrived at Corinth, he said to the people there, I I come to you scared and shaken and feeling very weak. He had just come from Athens, the cultural center of the Greek world, a very sophisticated city, a city that prided itself on the number of philosophers among its citizens. And Paul stood in the midst of that great city, that sophisticated place, and he preached the cross. He preached Jesus Christ and him crucified, and they laughed Paul out of town. Paul, you have got to be kidding. You've got to be kidding. A crucified Messiah? What does that mean, anyway? And where was this Jesus from? Nazareth, right? What was he doing in Jerusalem? Didn't he know the risk? Didn't he know he could be executed? All of his followers ran away and saved themselves. Why didn't he run away and save himself? None of this makes any sense. And you expect us to believe that this man 
executed on a cross is not a sign of failure and weakness, but is instead a testament to the power of your God. Paul, you have got to be kidding. Paul, you are a fool. So friends, given all of this, why did Paul insist on preaching the cross? I mean, in our text this morning, he admits that it's a stumbling block to most people. Why didn't he just preach the kind and gentle sayings of Jesus or just skip the cross and go straight to the resurrection? Didn't he want to attract followers? Didn't he want to start a movement? Didn't he want to be successful? Why was Paul so bent on preaching the cross? Well, friends, there are probably as many answers to that question as there are theologians in the world. So this morning, I'm going to offer to you what I think. First, I, I believe one of the reasons that Paul felt he had to preach the cross was that the cross reminds us that following Jesus brings blessing, but it also brings trouble. That Christianity is not a self-improvement program. It's not about us being healthy, wealthy, and wise. It's not a belief system that teaches that if you give God a dollar, he's going to give you back a five, no matter how many other preachers tell you that. Being a Christian costs you something. Speaking truth to power. Taking the side of the poor and marginalized. Refusing to take part in harmful activities. These sorts of things will not make you popular, and in fact, they can land you in jail or worse, which generations of Christians have experienced, including Paul himself. Paul knew exactly what Jesus was saying when he said, take up your cross and follow me. So I don't think it's surprising at all that for Paul, preaching the cross was a non-negotiable. The cross reminds us of the reality of living out our faith. But as important as that is, and it's very important, I don't think it's the primary reason that Paul felt he had to preach the cross. There's another reason. A weightier one for Paul, I think, that compelled him to do so. Some of you may know the name Tom Shipp. I know I've mentioned him to you before in another sermon. For many years, Tom was the senior pastor of Lover's Lane United Methodist Church in Dallas. And while Tom was there, as the pastor of that church... One day, two members of his congregation, a young couple, were out riding a motorcycle at a high rate of speed on a busy road. And the motorcycle went out of control and hit the curb, and both passengers were thrown off. The boy was thrown into a tree, and he died instantly. The girl was catapulted onto a lawn, and other than a few bumps and bruises, she was okay. 
Well, two or three days later, Tom heard about the accident and he went looking for the deceased boy's family. He found them in a local funeral home in one of the viewing rooms. So he came in and they were all there and they said, Oh, brothership, we understand what God is telling us here. We haven't been faithful in going to church as we should and we didn't take Tommy to the Methodist youth group and we didn't raise him in Sunday school the way we should have and now God has taken him from us. But we have these other children and we intend to raise them properly in the Methodist church. And Tom said he stood there for a moment and thought to himself, what can I say to you with that kind of understanding of who God is? Well, just then the door opened and the girl came in. And the family stood up and they said, oh, Martha, Martha, Martha. And then they began to say the same things to her about what God had done and what they were going to do and the rest of it. And the girl began to cry. She burst into tears and she ran out the door. And they said, oh, Brother Ship, what's wrong with her? And he said, you don't understand. And what you don't understand is that God is not judging you. God is weeping with you tonight. Because to be God means to share in your suffering. And if you don't understand that, take a good look at the cross. Friends, take a good look at the cross. Do you see that Paul had to preach the cross because the cross tells us who God is? God isn't out there somewhere looking down on us like we're ants under a magnifying glass. God is not separate from our suffering and pain. God loves us so much that he incarnated himself to live our life and to die a suffering, most human death. God hurts when we hurt. And God will not allow anything to separate us from him. He's present with us in the midst. Not even death can rip us from his arms. That's what the cross means. And that is why Paul had to preach it. I'll close with this. Some of you might remember a movie that came out many years ago called The Last Temptation of Christ. Does anybody remember that movie? Y'all remember The Last Temptation of Christ? It was a highly controversial film when it was released. It was boycotted and protested all over the country. And in that film, Jesus is portrayed as mulling over his choices when he gets to Jerusalem. 
He can see the cross before him and he knows it will be horrible. So he thinks, you know, I could slip away. I don't have to do this. I could go home. I could go home to Nazareth. I could get married. I could have a family. I could return to carpentry. I could live a regular life. But my friends, if he had done that, we would not be able to sing what a friend we have in Jesus, would we? He could have done it. He could have slipped away. He could have avoided it all, the pain and the suffering and the death. He could have, but instead, he chose the cross. Foolishness, says the world. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God, says Paul. I must preach this, Paul said. And friends, we do too. Will you pray with me? Holy God, we give you thanks that you loved us so much that you came to live our life and die our death. That you understand and identify with the pain and the suffering of being human and you never leave us alone in that. Lord, open our hearts to see the power of your cross, to be blessed by its grace, and to remember always your holy presence. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you.